like to spend a few moments uh, this evening looking at those words of chapter 11, Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Very reminiscent, are they not, of those opening words of Isaiah 55? Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. When I was growing up, we had a front door and we had a back door to our house. The back door was where the family entered and close friends and callers would come to the front door. And depending on which one of my parents put out the mat would determine the message that these callers received. My mother was quite hospitable and friendly, so she simply would put out the mat that had the single word, Welcome. Whereas my father was less amenable to visitors, and certainly unexpected visitors, he would put out the mat that had a two-word message, Go Away. This illustrates a very important point. Because if you think that God's message to you is go away, that will shape how you hear. That will shape how you read. If you think, okay, I, God really doesn't want me. God really isn't interested in me. And if you think that the mat says go away, you will hear or read everything through that lens. But on the other hand... If you believe that the mat is out which says welcome, and that God actually means you and I are welcome to come to Him, that changes everything. The door is no longer shut, the door is open. The way is no longer barred, but the way is now wide open for us to come to Jesus. So my first point really is to emphasize that what Jesus says, Jesus means. It's, it's almost an obvious point, but if Jesus is saying come, He means that. He means that you're welcome. He means that you're invited. And He's not speaking to somebody like you. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. And what I find remarkable is that this language in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is what we would describe as an open invitation. You have to be very careful with open invitations. You know, if, um, if you're planning a wedding celebration, you can't really give an open invitation to the reception because, first of all, it's very expensive. Second of all, you need to plan, you know, how many tables, how many seats, how many meals. You see, it's a catering nightmare, if you were to try to give an open invitation to a large banquet, a seated banquet. But Jesus does this, does just that. Jesus gives an open invitation to himself. There appears to be no restrictions. There appears to be no exceptions. There appears to be no limitations. The gospel message, the good news of Jesus, is quite paradoxical in many ways. Before I became a Christian, I guess I had many misconceptions. One of the major misconceptions was I didn't really understand that Christianity had anything to do particularly with Jesus. 
Now there's a clue there, isn't there, in the name Christianity and Jesus Christ. I should have picked up the connection more readily. But that was one of my misconceptions. Another of my misconceptions was Christianity or religion in general was generally there to make good people better, you know, religious people more religious. I had no idea that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I had no idea that Jesus died not for the righteous but for the ungodly. And you see, the the paradox is this, is that Jesus tells us that there are some who just don't get it. And they don't get it because they don't need it or want it. Uh, Verse 25, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. So God does both. He reveals and he hides. He opens and he closes. And generally speaking, those for whom the message is hidden are those who have no real need as they see it, or no real interest as they see it. You see, if you're wise, you don't need wisdom. If you're strong, you don't need strength. If your life is sorted, you don't need someone to sort it out for you. But the opposite is also true. If you're foolish, you do need wisdom. If you're weak, you do need strength. And if your life isn't sorted, you need someone who can sort it for you. Back in the time of the Reformation, 500 years or so ago, one of the, 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 um, the trends was to translate the Bible into the language of the people. Martin Luther translated the Bible into German Uh, One of John Calvin's cousins translated the New Testament into French. And John Calvin was asked to give a preface or a note to accompany the publication of the New Testament. And the theme of his preface was the gospel itself. And listen to what he says, what the gospel does and what the gospel provides, but also what the case is for those who do not have this message. So Calvin begins, he says, Without the gospel, everything is useless and vain. Without the gospel, we are not Christians. Without the gospel, all riches is poverty, all wisdom folly before God. Strength is weakness, and all the justice of man is under the condemnation of God. But by the knowledge of the gospel, we are made children of God, brothers of Jesus Christ, fellow townsmen with the saints, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, heirs of God with Jesus Christ, by whom the poor are made rich, the weak, strong, the fools, wise, the sinners justified, the desolate, comforted, the doubting, sure, the slaves, free. The gospel is the word of life and truth. It is the power of God for the salvation of all those who believe. And the key to the knowledge of God which opens the door of the kingdom of heaven to the faithful by releasing them from their sins and closes it to the unbelievers, binding them in their sins. So there's a paradox about the gospel. The gospel is indeed an open invitation, 
But it's an invitation to the weak, not to the strong. It's an invitation to the foolish, not to the wise. It's an invitation to those who have failed and fallen short, not to those who have succeeded and done well. So you see, how you see yourself will go a very long way as to how you hear the message of Jesus. So there's a paradoxical element here. But what I also want to notice is the personal element. That this is a personal request from a person to a person. Come, says Jesus, come to me. Now, this is a text I remember the first time I was ever asked to speak. There was a free breakfast in Edinburgh. It was served by Carubber's Christian Center at church on the high street. And it was a breakfast, a free breakfast that was served every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. And the audience, many of them were homeless or they were uh, isolated, lonely, vulnerable. And they would come at 8 o'clock, they would have breakfast, very sweet tea. And then there'd be a short gospel message. And I remember that when I was asked to speak, the text that I chose was Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me. And this is a magnificent text to invite people who are not Christians to come to Jesus. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said that this was the single most popular text that he ever preached, that this was the text that he would go to when he was preaching evangelistically. And of course, it's relevant. So if you're not yet a Christian, Jesus is speaking to you and he's inviting you to himself. But notice that he's not just speaking to those who aren't believers. I think it's obvious that Jesus is speaking to everyone here. And this is something that I've come to realize. That the gospel is as necessary for the believer as it is for the person who's not yet a believer. That I need Jesus as much as I did 31 years ago when I became a Christian. I need the gospel as much as I did then, as much as I do now. You see, because this life, as a Christian, as a Christian, this life is characterized by heavy burdens that weigh us down. Heavy weights that cause us to be tired and weary and fatigued. And I think Jesus is speaking to each one of us this evening. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the word is personal. It's an open invitation. Come to Jesus. You're weary. You're burdened. And if you are a Christian tonight, the Christian life is tough. The way is hard. And there are many burdens and there are many fatigues that we pick up along the way. And Jesus is speaking equally personally to you and to me. That we need Him We need to come to Him. We don't just need to know about Him. We don't just need to admire Him. We don't just need to give our agreement or our assent. But we need Him. You see, you just can't take Jesus out of the equation. I think it was Tim Keller who said that Jesus is not the ABC of the Gospel. He is the A to Z. The beginning and the middle and the end. John Calvin elsewhere said that Jesus Christ is the sum and substance of our faith. Without Jesus, 
without the gospel. We are lost, we are helpless, and we are hopeless. But with Jesus, we have hope. And with Jesus, we have help. And with Jesus, we have comfort. There was an illustration, the, you may have heard, that the Moravians were a group of Christians originally from Germany. But these were a group of Christians who had a desire to share the gospel. And they would go anywhere. They would go to the north, they'd go to the south, they'd go to the east, they'd go to the west. And there were a group of Moravians that went to Greenland. You know, that barren piece of, the barren island off of North, uh, North America. And as they were trying to teach the Greenlanders something of the Christian faith, they thought they would start with God. They thought they would teach that there is a God, and that God is three persons, God is Father, and God is Son, and God is Holy Spirit. And after many months, they realized that not a single Greenlander had become a Christian. But the story was told that one of the Greenlanders happened to read the passage in the Bible. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. They asked one of the missionaries, what does this verse mean? Explain this to us. The missionary was a bit reluctant, feeling that the the people had very limited understanding and wouldn't be able to understand what the gospel was about. But nonetheless, explained the life and death of Jesus, explained the gospel, and the man became a Christian. And not only him, but hundreds of people came to faith. And not long after, they said to the missionaries, Why did you not tell us this before? We knew all about there being a God, and that did us no good. Why did you not come and tell us to believe in Jesus Christ before? So if you're here and you've not heard this before, I'm sorry you haven't heard it. But Jesus Christ has come so that people like you and me can be restored, can be renewed, can be made whole, can be made alive. Using the language of John chapter 10, He's come to give us life that is abundant and life that is eternal. So if you haven't heard this before, you need to hear this now. You might not know much about Christianity, you might not know much about God, but let me tell you that God so loved the world that He sent His Son. That He sent His Son to live and to die, to rise again, so that you and I can be forgiven. So this is a personal request, a personal invitation. If you're not yet a Christian, you need to know this Jesus who is speaking. And notice how he describes the audience. He says, you who are weary and burdened. He doesn't explain. He doesn't detail. He doesn't give examples. He just says, look, if you're tired, if you're weighed down, if this world is is causing you to be fatigued and heavy burdened, Jesus said he's exactly the person that you need. I remember growing up and, you know, your dad, my dad was a big man, a strong man. And when you're a small child, you think, my dad is the strongest person I ever met. I remember him, he, he, he could hammer in nails. Yeah, I told you about nails this morning. I wasn't that expert on nails. But he could hammer in nails with one strike of a hammer. He had a strong forearm. And I thought to myself, there's nobody stronger than my dad. Jesus is telling us here 
that he has broad shoulders that can carry heavy weights. And he looks at us and he sees us struggling under these same burdens, these same weights. And it's as if he's saying, look, don't carry that. You're not able to carry. You don't have the frame. You're not strong enough. Let me carry the burden. Let me take the weight. Let me take the fatigue. That's the invitation that Jesus is giving. He's saying these burdens are crushing you. And they're weighing you down. And they're making you tired. He says, you give them to me. And my shoulders are able to bear this load. My shoulders are able to carry this burden. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. And the, the invitation is followed with this promise. And I will give you rest. Just as Jesus doesn't describe the burdens, He doesn't explain the weariness, but He speaks in a way that we get it. There's an <coughs> advertising campaign in the United States just now, and there were several slots that were purchased during the Super Bowl. The single most expensive commercials in the United States are commercials during the breaks of the Super Bowl. And the campaign is entitled, He Gets Us. And it's a reminder to people that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty, there is a person called Jesus who gets us. Jesus gets you. And Jesus gets me. He has been here before. He understands the human condition. Not the general human condition, but the specific personal human condition, your human condition, and my human condition. He gets you, and He gets me, and He looks upon us with affection, He looks upon us with love. And as a follower of Jesus, I get tired, and I get weary, and I desperately need rest. And where do I go? I go back to where I went those 30 years ago. I go to the same one who took those burdens away those many years ago and he continues to be true to his word. He continues to keep his promise. Come to me, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. We're here in church, and church is wonderful. It's a place of fellowship, it's a place of worship, it's a place where we can hear the gospel and hear Jesus We've been reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is magnificent. We read the very words of God. We pray and we speak to God. All of these things are wonderful. But Jesus does not say, come to church. Jesus does not say, join a Bible study. Jesus doesn't say, join a prayer group. Jesus says, come to me. And I think the danger is, is that we substitute something else for Jesus. There are many good things out there. There's many good pieces of advice that you can be given. And there are many programs and other things that can help you. I was mentioning the other night that i was uh, been working in prison. And there's a lot of good programs in prison. There's programs that help violent people become less violent. There's programs that help people who make bad life choices to make better life choices. There's programs that help people who have addiction problems to deal better with drugs or with alcohol. These programs are good. These programs are helpful. But these programs are not the gospel. The gospel goes to the very heart of the human problem, which is the human heart. There's something wrong with my heart. 
And I need someone to come and to change my heart, to change me from the inside out. Self-help programs, which do indeed help many people, they tend to work on the principle of changing the outward behavior. And the outward behavior, if it's changed, is beneficial. Beneficial to the individual, beneficial to the family. But Jesus always begins on the inside. So this personal invitation is followed with a promise. But notice that the promise is multifold or multifaceted. First of all, Jesus says, I will give you rest. He says to the weary and burdened, the rest that you need, I will give you. But he doesn't stop there. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. This world is a difficult taskmaster. You see, the Bible tells us that there are three enemies that the Christian encounters. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, these three enemies promise much, but deliver little. The flesh, the world, the devil. Jesus, however, promises much and delivers every single time. He promises life, he delivers life. He promises new life, he delivers new life. He promises rest, he delivers rest. But he wants us to learn from him. To lay down the burdens, to put aside the weariness, and to take upon us his yoke. Now, I'm a city guy. We are living here. This is a rural district. There's, you, know, you see animals and you see farms. I don't know much about animals or farms, but the idea here is that this yoke is a piece of wood uh, that, that straps two animals together. And I'm told that the idea is that you have, if you have two oxen or two animals that are plowing, that you would, you would put two animals together, one older, more experienced animal, and a younger animal so that it could learn from the older. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That means that when we come to Jesus for rest, it's a permanent relationship. It's not just a one-off encounter. But we come to him and we say to him, we are yoked to Jesus and he now becomes our teacher. Our Savior becomes our teacher. The one whose broad shoulders takes our burdens now becomes our instructor and he tells us that he has a gentle and a humble heart. Verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I was studying at ETS, or the Free Church College as it was then, I remember one of my professors preaching, uh, Alistair I. McLeod, and he says the language here regarding the yoke is the language of something that fits well. I remember many years ago, I went to Hong Kong. I was a young guy, went to Hong Kong, and you would, throughout the city, you would walk by tailor shops. And the tailor would say, Sir, would you like custom-made shirts? I said, Yes, I would. And so, you know, you'd go into the shop, and, you know, for what you would normally pay for a dress shirt, they would get the, the measuring tape out, measure your neck, measure your sleeves, and, and you come back 24 hours later and you've got these beautiful hand-measured shirts and your name was stitched in the lapel, in the label. 
I loved it. The shirts were perfectly matched to my body. It wasn't, you weren't taking it off the rack, but it was made to measure. And Alistair said that this is exactly what Jesus is saying about the yoke. Jesus' yoke is made to measure. It fits perfectly. It's not too tight. It's not too loose. It doesn't pinch. It doesn't bind. This yoke that connects us to Jesus fits well. And maybe the illustration is particularly poignant. Because what was Jesus' earthly occupation? He was a joiner. He was a carpenter. He would have made yokes. He would have fashioned these yokes out of wood. And maybe the strap line for Joseph and Sons carpenters was, Our yokes fit well. Jesus' yoke fits well. You see, He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. He wants us to follow. And you see, the idea of a yoke is that if you're, if you're connected to an animal, another animal, and that animal's moving in a direction, you're moving in that direction. You're moving together and you're moving forward. And that's what the Christian life is. We are moving together with Jesus. We are moving forward with Jesus. We are connected to Jesus. And where He goes, we go. And he's told us that he's going to take his people to be with him in his father's house. So Jesus meets us here and Jesus takes us there. Jesus meets us where we are and Jesus takes us to be where he wants us to be, where we need to be, and where we ultimately want to be. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened. You Christian believer, the going is tough. The challenges are many. The disappointments are there and there frequently. Jesus says, let him take the cares, the concerns, the weights, the burdens. Let him take the fatigue. Because you need to be yoked to him. The temptation is as Christians, as we take these burdens back on our own shoulders, we become weary in doing good following Jesus. But Jesus continues to say, come, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, learn from me. My yoke fits well. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I mentioned D.L. Moody this morning and quite a remarkable character. So he was educated to the fourth grade, which meant age 10. His family was very poor. He had to leave school at age 10 to work and to earn a small bit of money for his family. By the age of 17, he was in the big city of Boston. And his desire was to sell shoes. And he had a goal that he could sell 100000 He could make $100,000 selling shoes. Now, $100,000 in the mid-1800s was a lot of money. But what he didn't expect... You see, he was given a job at his uncle's shoe shop. And the uncle had one requirement... You must go every Sunday to the Mount Vernon Church. Otherwise, you can't have a job. So the young D.L. Moody went to the Mount Vernon Church every Sunday, and he didn't make much of the sermon. The preacher was learned, and the sermons were well-crafted. But someone like D.L. Moody, who didn't have a wide vocabulary, had little knowledge of of the Bible, made very little of the sermons, But he went to a Sunday school class. And Sunday school then would have been for young adults. And he had a teacher called Edward Kimball. 
And Edward Kimball had a great desire that each young person in his Sunday school class would come to faith. Kimball one day went to Moody's shoe shop. Moody was in the back packaging shoes. He went in and he was determined to share the gospel. And there and then, D.L. Moody became a Christian, age 17. Very soon he moved out to Chicago. And God used this uneducated man to preach the gospel in person to a hundred million people. UK, Ireland, the United States. That's not bad. Preaching in person to a hundred million people. That's not because D.L. Moody was a great preacher. It's because D.L. Moody encountered a great Savior who takes people, ordinary people, and can use them in extraordinary ways. Moody put it this way, he said, doctrines, doctrines are all right in their places, but when you put them in the place of faith or salvation, they become sin. If a man should ask me to his house to dinner tomorrow, the street would be a very good thing to take me to his house. But if I didn't get into the house, I wouldn't get any dinner. Now a creed is a road or a street, it's very good as far as it goes. But if it doesn't take us to Christ, it is worthless. So you can know the Bible, you can know about Jesus, you can know about the great doctrines of the faith, but the question is, have you responded to the personal invitation given to you by the person of Jesus Christ? He says, come to me. Have you come to him? He says, let him take your burdens. Have you let him take your burdens? He promises you rest. Have you received that rest that only he can give? At the very end of the Bible, at the very final chapter of the Bible, we have the last invitation. Isaiah 55, come all who are thirsty. Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. If you hear the invitation, you can come. If you need the invitation, you're thirsty, you can come. If you want what's on offer, you can come. All that's required is to respond to this great invitation given to us by the great Savior Jesus to ordinary, weary, and tired people He offers rest. He offers His yoke that we can learn from Him. And He promises that He will give rest to our souls. That's what I need. That's what you need. That's what we need tonight. There's a map that God places in front of His kingdom. There's one word on that map. And that word is come. Because you're welcome. Let's pray. Father, we ask for Your grace, Your mercy and love, that each one of us would come to Jesus and allow Him to take the burdens that weigh us down, to take the fatigue that causes us to be weary, and to give us instead rest. Help us to be yoked to Him, to learn from Him. We thank You that His yoke fits well. His burdens are light. Lord, whatever the obstacles, whatever the challenges, If there are any here who do not yet understand or do not yet know, might you work in such a way that they could see Jesus in a way that they never saw Jesus before. 
That they can hear Jesus in a way they never heard Jesus before. And that they can respond to Jesus in a way they never responded to Jesus before. Come, says Jesus, let us come to Him for rest. Amen.